Welcome to another round of Boardroom or Miro Board. Today we talk retrospectives with Agile coach Maria. Let's go. First question. You've spent two hours in a team retro, but the only input you've heard is Dave's. Boardroom or Miro Board? Boardroom. In Miro, Dave can't hog the space because everyone can add thoughts anonymously, online at the same time. Correct. Next. You need the team to act on feedback fast, so you turn all those retro notes into JIRA tasks instantly. Miro all the way. And I can assign those tasks to teammates. You're nailing this. Now, you see hundreds of sticky notes from the retro. A real mess. But you organize them into five themes in just seconds. Miro, I basically get back an entire hour when I use its AI tools for clustering. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people running actually enjoyable and actionable retros in Miro. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M I R O.com. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. This is Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network in conjunction with the Sampson Family Foundation, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. Now here's Ralph and your host, Mac McDonald. Welcome into another weekend, and I hope everybody's fat and happy after Christmas. Uh, it's been a great couple of days. Ralph, good to see you, and I hope Santa was was good to you. Uh, you opened all those gifts, and you got all the all the stuff that, what, you're going to take back this well, week? Well, the, the, the 7 foot 4 Santa was good to everybody, so that's all I can tell you. I, I didn't have my red hat on, though, but I was good. Uh, I know you, and I know you're doing a lot for kids too, uh, with your family. So that's good. I hope you had a good couple of days. Well, this is kind of a special show. It's kind of a fun show, uh, today because we're going to look back on 2020 and, uh, try to look at as many, uh, top stories as we, as we can, as we set up the year and Ralph, it's a little different for this show, but I think when you said something about, let's talk about 2020, I think it's great therapy for you and me to talk 2020. It, it is great therapy. <laughs> Get this year over with, for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, just little things that, uh, you know, personally for you, I mean, one of your stories was, you know, the ACC tournament, what you were on your way. Is that right? And then the, when the tournament ended up getting canceled? Like I had an appearance with Citizen Watch uh, at a jewelry store the morning of the game at UVA. Mm-hmm. And I was on my way. I'm driving down in, through Lynchburg, Virginia, picking up my brother-in-law, and we were going to the ACC tournament. Mm-hmm. And then on my route, before I got to Lynchburg, they said he had canceled the tournament. So didn't know if I should keep going or not go, et cetera. So I called the, the sponsor that I was representing, and then we said, okay, we're canceling everything. So shut, shut everything down. Like, uh-huh. Crazy. I mean, like, how do you do that when you're in route, you're going to the ACC tournament in Greensboro. It was, you know, such a special place to, to go watch the ACC tournament. But uh, you had to turn around and go back home. Yeah. I And when you look and when you look back on that, and I remember too, every, but John Swafford, and we're going to talk about this in our next segment, go into a little more detail. But John Swafford went on the ACC network that morning, and he said, we're going to play. 
today. I mean, Florida State had Clemson, yeah, and he yes. says we're going to play, and he announced that on TV on the ACC television network. Well, not an hour later, everything was canceling. Yeah, it's, it's you know it's, this thing and the pandemic, the COVID nineteen, what everybody called it. I mean, you had to make decisions at that point in time that was safe. Mm-hmm. And the only thing you could do was cancel. I mean, so that was impactful. The NBA, when uh, a player uh, acquired it from the Utah Jazz and they had people in the stands, everybody go home. It's something we don't know. Again, we have never experienced this in the history of the world, basically. I mean, there's been some issues with certain vaccines that have been acquired over the years, but it hadn't spread like this all over the number of deaths the number of people that are missing loved ones over the holidays is sad. Uh, you know, we just got to get through 2020. Uh, help is on the way with the vaccine. Uh, sports is still there. Hopefully they can, you know, vaccinate the players as well so they can all be safe. Um, you know, it's, it's, we don't know. And uh, so it depends on how I think we all protect each other. Wear your mask, wash your hands, use hand mm-hmm. sanitizer, et cetera. We have to do that because, you know, it's, it's almost a year now. Um, before this thing's happening. And I think we, we, we come over to the top of it. Now we got to get down the hill and keep everybody safe. Well, we've got a, a college fo- uh, foundation uh, Hall of Famer in Tony Barnhart, former writer with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He's now with the SEC Network. He's coming up in just a little bit. But when Ralph and I return, we're going to look at some of the top stories of 2020. Yes, COVID dominates, but COVID dominated what happened in the sports world, the NBA bubble, and of course, the death of one of the greatest to ever play basketball. That story and more coming up, the Winter Circle Network. This is Center Court with Ralph Sampson. We return right after this. The mission for the Sampson Family Foundation is simple. We strive to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. The foundation promotes charitable and community input, educational development, health and fitness, and scholarship opportunities. The Samson Family Foundation's initiatives focus on patients with cancer, educational scholarship programs, and give students guidance in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. The Samson Family Foundation encourages limitless possibilities. Your financial support is tax deductible. To learn more, call 540-615-5097. The website is samsonfamilyfoundation.org. Uplift. Empower. Educate. It takes teamwork to make the dream work. You're listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Once again, here's Ralph and Mac. It's Center Court on the Winter Circle Network with your host, Ralph Sampson. I'm Mac McDonald. Ralph, the way things got underway in 2020 when you think about COVID-19 already discovered in December but what happened with the Kobe Bryant death I think it affected the world not just the basketball world but it certainly affected the world because of what he meant to the sport and what he meant to others around him and his tight circle really. It shocked that I mean if that was an indication which it has been the Kobe Bryant death uh, tragic helicopter crash with his daughter and some friends on, on the helicopter was amazing uh, to start the amazing way to start the year off, and that's that, that showed us uh, what this year has been. I was in a Staples trying to buy some ink for a printer, and somebody walked up to me and said, 
did you, did you hear about Kobe? You hear about Kobe? I said, what? He passed away. I'm like, man, you must be lying. So I ran back to my, my house there and I looked at the TV. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then, so I started to call a few people and so forth and so on. And it was real, but it was very, very, very sad. You can only imagine him holding his daughter and his friends in there. And this very, very sad year. So 2020 has been very tragic. Ralph, did your paths ever cross with Kobe Bryant? Yeah, I mean, I was in L.A. for a number of years, but also just going to games and, you know, visited his gym out there a little bit. But just, you know, by, by just uh, meeting and greeting, paying mutual respect to each other, we met that way, yes. Great guy. I mean, great, great, great father, husband, uh, humanitarian. I mean, he, he put together a video about basketball, won an award. I mean, he was on the way to doing great things. For the record, the Kobe Bryant death was January 26th. Daughter Gigi, six family friends, and a pilot passed away. The pilot thought he was ascending in the fog when he was actually descending. He had said at his home the night before that, well, the weather's not going to be all that good, but it'll be better tomorrow than it is today, meaning the night before. And, of course, we all know what happened. And then at the funeral, I mean, the whole basketball world is there, including his big brother, Shaq. Like all of you... I continue to be devastated over the loss of my friend, my little brother, Kobe Bryant, and my beautiful niece, Gigi. To Vanessa and the kids, Kobe's parents, sisters, and other families who lost their loved ones on that tragic day, we grieve, we grieve with you. All of us were forever changed on January 26. As we know, the Black Mama's legacy will be more than just being one of the greatest basketball players of all time. And believe me, Kobe, Kobe was truly a gifted and intelligent student of the game. I take comfort in the fact as we speak, Kobe and Gigi are holding hands, walking to the nearest basketball court. Kobe will show her some new mama moves today, and Gigi soon matches them. Kobe, your heaven's MVP, I love you, my man, until we meet again. Rest in peace, Kobe. Touching words from his big brother, Shaquille O'Neal. We all knew that Mamba meant so much to so many people, right? Yeah, I mean, to the world. I mean, it, it showed uh, how much he meant not only to the basketball world and NBA, but the world. All the signs, all the posters, all the graffiti, all over the world, the Kobe stories will resonate for, for, for forever. I mean, I, I feel sorry for his wife and kids, but I know his big brother Shaq and Michael Jordan as well, and all of us NBA guys will support them as much as we can uh, throughout this whole journey that they have to you know, spend for life. But imagine your little daughter that you just had would never know his dad. And so that's the sad part to, about this thing. But uh, you see it in the Shaquille O'Neal and, and, and the Michael Jordan's uh, just heartfelt. Um, uh, I mean, I don't know how you could do that. Stand up there and just say goodbye to a brother that you had and was calling you. And he's not there anymore. And think about this. The biggest story of 2020 actually started in December of 2019. When the guy from Washington gets COVID, they name it COVID-19 because of 2019. And it changed the entire world. And, of course, we're talking sports world. But it certainly changed the landscape of the way we were trying to live our lives from a sports standpoint. You would never guess that going to the ACC tournament to, you know, Utah Jazz player at a game being diagnosed and they stopped play to how it had affected the world, you know, now almost a year, year ago. And uh, we got through this part. We got to get through some more to make sure the thing worked. But it's been devastating to the world. And Ralph, think about this. We were in February. We didn't think that 
that COVID-19 was going to affect our sports landscape. I mean, in February, the Chiefs come from behind and win Super Bowl 54. It was 50 years after Kansas City's last Super Bowl. And Patrick Mahomes at age 24 became the superstar you will always remember. Gun, Trey Wright, three jet chilled, wasp, Y, funnel. What are we thinking? Do we have time to run wasp? If it's first and 10, wasp. Or, 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 any down the distance, I don't care. Hey, don't break, don't break. It's gonna be gun tray right, tight, gun tray right, three jet chip, waltz, wide funnel. Gun tray, you get open. Both y'all get open. You be working. Third and 15. Shotgun snap, drops back five, got the block. He winds up, he does a long pass, wide open hill. Catches the ball from 22 in San Francisco. chunk of the game on third down and 15 and Mahomes guns it for 44 yards. Get set. Wide right. They move to the right side. They throw. Back in the end zone. Touchdown. Kansas City. Let's get it. Let's get it. Get that over. Get that over. Let's go get it. Go get it. Go get it. Go get it. Chiefs have life. 613 to go. The great Andy Reid wins his first title ever. I mean, his first Super Bowl. And the Chiefs became the first team in NFL history to win three games after trailing by 10 or more points in a single postseason. Ah, Super 54. We'll remember it for a long time. But you know, as we get ready for spring and Florida State starts to warm up, the, the ACC tournament that you were, you were trying to get to, that you wanted to see, John Swafford, the commissioner, on the ACC network, saying we're going to play. But the league canceled the 2020 postseason affair and 13 other conferences followed suit. If there's a risk or a perceived risk as this thing evolves, and it seems to evolve, uh, I used to say by the week and then by the day, and now it's uh, hourly uh, almost in terms of what we learn and what's happening uh, with the virus, uh, then it's not worth it. And uh, if there's that discomfort or feeling that, you know, maybe we shouldn't be, shouldn't be playing this right now. And uh, it's extraordinarily fluid, I, more fluid than any, any situation that I've ever dealt with career-wise. And I don't know anything to compare it with, really. There's nothing really to compare it with. So hopefully we've made the right decisions along the way at the right time with the information that we had at that time, which is all you can ask, I think. Well, I feel sorry for all of the seniors that were playing. I had, you know, my cousin Braxton Keys with that UVA, and they were just gelling at the end of the year. Had won like eight straight games, and mm -hmm. they were looking more to, you know, their repeat of the of the Final Four uh, and going to the ACC tournament. But you don't play. And uh, Mr. Swafford, you know, was as you mentioned earlier, called it. Are we going to play? And then all of a sudden. We don't play. And what's hard to believe is that the NC2A steps up and goes, you know what, we're, we've got to cancel. And not only that, we're going to cancel all our spring sports, your baseballs and your men's and women's golf and all of that track and field. We're going to cancel all of those championships as well. And that's that's really, it was hard for us to, to come to terms with the fact that sports, as we know it, was facing the national emergency and COVID-19. You know, I have friends that we fill out brackets each year or whatever, like, uh, what are we going to do if there's no March Madness? Uh, so it was just crazy 
this year and all the things that's happened with COVID from basketball, football, you know, the, the Kansas City winning, the Dodgers winning, the Lakers winning uh, championships that, you know, that were there. I mean, Dodgers four or five years running, they finally won a championship, but no fans could see that. I mean, that's just not right. And can you do that? But they did it anyway, right? And Ralph, as spring training games were beginning in February, the first COVID-19 death in the United States happened March 3rd and six days later, MLB says, all right, we're going we're gonna to open on March 26th. They thought opening day was safe. And then March 11th, the NBA suspended its season indefinitely. And that was when Utah Jazz center Rudy Gobert tested positive for the virus. And then March 12th, MLB canceled spring training, and they thought they were going to be able to play baseball in mid-May. And that certainly didn't happen. Imagine Rudy Gobert in the locker room, you know, touching the microphone and going and playing, jokingly that I got this, so jokingly, whatever. And then all of a sudden his, his teammates like, Dude, this thing is serious. And so he got, you know, blasted, you know, on the social media and, and the media world where he thought it was a joke and he has to apologize after it was over. But I mean, everybody thought it was a joke. So while Major League Baseball was trying to figure out their season, when to start, how many games, the NBA came up with this whole system about the bubble. And with social justice being a main theme inside the bubble. The NBA found a way to play games. Well, I mean, I've spoken to Adam Silver, you know, prior to that a little bit. We had some emails. And I'll just t- tell me, I was amazed at the outcome of the, of the just the whole NBA bubble, how good it was. And I knew the NBA would pull something off, but I didn't expect the atmosphere to be that good. You saw the first couple of games and, you know, it's like pickup ball. And then the players got serious and then we got it got exciting as it went and then when the playoffs got there it got more exciting so i commend the nba did a a great job in the bubble and show how we can live with this thing and fight it off if we all protect ourselves ralph that is so well said and for some reason i think kobe and Gigi were probably you know they were pulled up to a tv eating popcorn and enjoying what was happening in the bubble in orlando at disney when we come back journalist tony barnhart now with the sec network one of the great writers of of college sports joins us as we talk about what's going to happen with college football and college basketball this is center court on the winner's circle network to get into sports casting you need experience just to get your foot in the door I can't tell you how many times in my career somebody will ask me, how do I get into your business? How do I become a sportscaster? The first thing I ask is, what have you done? Do you have any experience? And the answer is normally nothing yet. It's because they couldn't find a program that provided the real world experience that you need to get started. So I set out to create a program designed for the next wave of sportscasting talent. And my partner was an obvious one, Full Sail University. Great track record in entertainment and media, great alumni group, and the ability to evolve as the industry changes. We're offering a bachelor's degree that combines the professional expertise that my fellow sportscasters and I have built our careers on with the technologies shaping the world of sports. To succeed in this business, you have to be ready for what's next. But the core of great sportscasting I don't think will ever change. And this program brings it all together. The Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation present Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball star Ralph Sampson. Again, here's Ralph and Mac. It's another edition of Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network, and we are pleased today to have one of the great 
journalist, one of the great writers, authors, uh, a National Football Foundation and College Hall of Famer, Tony Barnhart, a reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for many years. He got his start at the Greensboro News and Record. Uh, he's a University of Georgia guy. He grew up in the state of Georgia. He worked for the Greensboro News and Record. He went to Atlanta. Uh, he was with the CBS Network and now with the SEC Network. So, Tony, welcome. It's great to, to see you and have you on the show. Are you safe? Are you happy? Is everything going well? And are you ready for Christmas? Mac, in the affirmative, all those things, uh, this has been an interesting season. This is my 45th season of covering uh, college football. And uh, this year I did not go to any games. Wow. I made the decision or, or my family made the decision uh, that I wouldn't be traveling. Uh, but you know what? I, I, I saw a lot of football uh, and it's been an incredible experience. And But here's looking forward to it. When we, t when we talk, we all gather together a year from now that things will be a lot better. No, for uh, sure. 45 years of watching college football, and now you can only watch it from your living room. Uh, how different is that for you and not being at the game and doing what you do? You know, Ralph, it's a, it's, it's a funny story because there, were, there was about four or five years ago, there was a reason I had to stay home for uh, – for a college football weekend. And so I sat at home and watched games and I, I turned to my wife, I said, do you realize how much college football is on television? <laughs> I, had, I had no idea, no idea at all. But you know, Ralph, it's, it's the reason I didn't go to games this year is that the reason that I would always go to, the game, I can watch the game from anywhere, okay? But what was happening was there, there was not gonna be an opportunity to interact with people. The post-game press conference was gonna be a Zoom call yeah. And uh, and I could do that from home. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, there was no compelling reason to go. And it's worked out fine. I mean, I, I get to keep up with a lot of games at once. I have my have my flat screen. I have my laptop and my iPad. And I got all those games going at once. And um, I've learned I've learned a lot. And so it is uh, it has worked out and it, it saved in the, the travel saved on the old wear and tear on the old guy here. I wonder, how, how did the wife take that? I mean, she's normally used to you leaving on the weekends uh, doing football season, so that had to be a big adjustment for her too, huh? Absolutely, because every now and then she'd walk into the room and say, don't you have somewhere you need to be? <laughs> <laughs> hey, get out the house. Get out of here for a little bit. But no, I, without, her, I don't, without her, I don't make it here. So. No, I good stuff. I'll get you that for sure. Tony Barnard, one of the greats to one of the greats to ever do it and and to follow it and we, you know in talking about the COVID year, uh, which Ralph and I have been discussing too. Uh, Tony, were you in July and August? Were you questioning how are we going to get this thing done? Uh, Mac, I was very concerned because I, my problem is I'm talking to a lot of people who are a lot smarter than me, and they were concerned. Okay, mm -hmm. and and the more worried they got, the more worried I got. Uh, particularly, I spent a lot of time talking to the uh, Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, obviously John Swafford in the ACC. And mid-July, there was some real concern because the numbers had really started to spike. Mm -hmm. And But things got better in August. And by then, uh, I had people telling me, you know, we're going to be able to get started. Now, are we going to be able to finish? That's, that's the great yeah, unknown because we yeah. didn't know we didn't know that when the, we were told that when the cold weather came, things would get more difficult. The question was, will they get so difficult that we won't be able to finish the season? Well, we were able to finish the season, but yeah, that, 
to answer your original question, in mm. mid-July, I was very, very concerned. How did the SEC approach things? And do you feel, two-part question, do you feel they pretty much did things the right way and, and the way they, they set their schedules and, and maybe some of the other leagues, Tony? Do you think really the, the football gods did the best they could do? Uh, yeah, and, and I do because I was more sort of dialed into the SEC mm-hmm. situation. I can tell you they did it exactly right. They delayed the start of their season until September 26, and they did that for a specific reason. They wanted to find out what the results were going to be. They were watching Major League Baseball. They were watching NFL training camp. They were watching the NBA. They wanted to see how those situations were going to unfold. Also, and this was the important thing, they wanted the students to get back on campus in mid-August and see what the numbers were going to be like when that happened. So September 26 was was a good start date for them. They built in, everybody had an open date somewhere in the fourth or fifth week of the season, and there was a universal open date on December 12th to reschedule games. And as it turned out, everybody needed December 12th to reschedule games, and they even pushed it to December 19th. Bottom line for the SEC, they scheduled 70 regular season games and played 68 of them. And that, is that normal? How many games did they, would they normally play? No, Ralph. Well, they, I mean, the SEC, what the SEC did was play nothing but conference, conference games. games. Yes. Everybody played 10 conference games. That's 70 total games that wow. they scheduled. Wow. No non-conference games. And of those 70, they were, they were to play 68 and no other conference came close to that. Now the ACC did a great job but you know they made some decisions there at the end to uh, to sort of protect Clemson and Notre Dame and I understand Mm -hmm. that and that was their prerogative but in terms of playing the number of games the SEC 60 of 70 uh, was the best. Tony Barnhart our guest one of the great writers now in his sixth year with the SEC network and I mean Tony things were so crazy I since I, I still do a lot for Virginia Bronco Mendenhall the head coach was talking about the financial uh, uh, things that had to happen on one road trip. They took two airplanes and ended up with 11 buses. Yep. Um, for the, for, well, that was the Florida state road trip, which that game didn't get played. And so it was amazing the way the college administrators and commissioners put this thing together and were able to at least pull off some semblance of a season. Just amazing. Well, guys, March 12th, when everything got shut down, I mean, they are the athletic directors of all these conferences, particularly the SEC and the ACC. They're having meetings by Zoom every single day. And mm-hmm. they started they started plotting their strategy in March to try to get this football season in. And so, yeah, they the, the commissioners, you know, I, I think about John Swafford, you know, this is his this is yeah. his last year. Right. I, I wrote him a text to, Somewhere around March, I said, or around May, I said, this is certainly not the way you planned your exercise. <laughs> Maybe I'll stay one more year, right? I got to redeem myself now. I, I, think, I think the college administrators did an incredible job. Obviously, the, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 had some hiccups uh, about what they were going to do, but they eventually came back. Um, but it, it has made for an extraordinary experience. Um, people say, is there ever been anything like this? No, not even close. There's never been anything like this in the history of athletics, in the history of our country, in the history of college athletics. You mentioned so, the Big Ten, so I've got to ask, since you mentioned yeah. the Big Ten, does Texas A&M have an argument then 
yeah. with uh, with the Ohio State playing six games, five, of course, regular season, and then the, the championship game. Did uh, J- uh, J- uh, Jimbo Fisher have an argument? He had a huge argument. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't have t- uh, Ohio State in my final four. Now, I, now, what I did was I do what most right, chicken writers go, go. I go, this is what the committee's going to do, and this is what I would do. And I was right. Okay, mm-hmm. I knew what the, I knew what the committee was going to do. The committee was going to put Ohio State in there for a host of different reasons. And, and look, they're a good football team. They're really good if you watch them play. Uh, but I just simply felt that it wasn't fair for Ohio State to get in having played only six games. That was their choice. They left everybody on August 11th and did not come back until October 23rd. That was their choice. And I think Dabo Sweeney's got a point. He said, look, my team's played 11 games. I've had to get them ready to play 11 games. And the team that we're going to play in about a week and a half has only had to play six games. And he said, he said, he said, and other coaches have told me this, you cannot possibly understand the stress these players will put under. I mean, it was kind of like the Army coach, Jeff Munkin, said, our guys came, have been on campus since March 31st. Wow. And they they, they haven't left. Yeah. Same thing for that. And, and so when you put it all together, while Ohio, while Ohio State may have been one of the best four teams in college football, I didn't think it was fair. So to answer your question, Matt, yeah, I thought Dabo had a really good – I thought Dabo yeah. had a good point. I thought uh, Jimbo Fisher had a good point. Tony, so how much do you think it's uh... – the financial implications on the sports in general, right? I mean, you got to play. I mean, NBA had to go to the bubble. They, I mean, they spent quite a bit of money in the bubble down in Orlando at Disney World. But in college football, I mean, obviously the schools benefit from that as well. I'm more concerned about the implication of the financial piece, but also second part is the recruits that are coming in and the seniors that are leaving because it's their last year. So. Uh, should the NCAA change some of those rules? And what's your opinion about the financial implication on college football or sports in general in, in the college area? Ralph, the, the financial implications are staggering. And they would have been even more stag- They would have been catastrophic had, had there not been a college football season. The average athletic budget at the SEC and ACC level, the, 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 the top budgets are knocking out right around $150 million uh, for each of the budgets. And they were going to easily lose half of that uh, and perhaps more. And those, that money is what funds your broad-based athletic program that's got 15, 16, 17 sports, both men and women. And so they were able to make some of the money back, but, uh, you know, there were job cuts. There were all kinds of cuts. There were programs in some conferences that were cut. So it is a significant financial hit that they hope that they'll, it'll take them four or five years to make it up in the best conditions. As far as the players are concerned, the NCAA made a step that said, Hey, this for everybody who's a scholarship athlete at an NCAA institution this year does not count. It doesn't count. Uh, you, 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 if you want to, if you're a senior and this is your last year of eligibility, you can come back and give you a year. Now, that's a great gesture on the part of the NCAA, but what, what they haven't told the coaches is tell me exactly how, if I've got 85 people on football scholarship, how can I add another 20 in this signing period? How is that going to work? Right? <laughs> I don't think the NCAA has uh, come up with, an, you know, they could expand the scholarship limit, which is probably what they'll end up having to do. But the play, the, they, every player in every sport 
if they want to come back and not count this year as a year of eligibility, they can do that. Ralph, we're visiting with Tony Barnhart. He only put in 45 years covering college football and college sports. He's one of the best. Well, I mean, his history speaks for himself. It's 45 years in college football. I'm just curious about, Tony, how do you, I mean, where's your passion come from? You, we heard it in the first segment here that you have a passion about sports. So how did that evolve over your career? Because uh, it's very special, I think, young kids out there as well. And then you've seen the transition from the way you did it 45 years ago now to all the social media and all the stuff that's changed. You've seen the evolution of the game from a different perspective. Well, I have. And, and, you know, as far as the passion goes, when I don't get excited about another football and basketball season coming up, it's going to be time to walk away. I mean, I this is something I decided, you know, first I was going to be, when I when I first went to college, I thought I was going to be a coach. I mean, I was a, I was a high school football and basketball player. I wasn't very good, <laughs> but I enjoyed, I enjoyed sports. But ultimately I had a chance to write for the student newspaper and the first time I saw my byline in the newspaper, I was hooked. I said, this is the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> so, uh, and, that, and that's how it got started. And as far as the – think about this, Ralph. When I, when I first started in the business in the 70s uh, in Greensboro, North Carolina, we didn't even have – we didn't have laptop computers. In order to get my story back from Chapel Hill or Winston-Salem or Charlottesville, Virginia – I had to carry a machine with me that would literally transmit the typed page back to the office. And the thing was, was called a telecopier and it weighed a ton <laughs> and traveling with it was something. But, and so now if I had to, I could send my story on my cell phone, on my iPhone, if I had to do it. And so it has been an incredible evolution of information. Uh, the social media guys, we could do three shows on how social media has mm -hmm. changed everything. And because it gets good information and bad information circulated in a hurry, but it's uh, it, it's 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 been something completely different. I'll tell you that. Social media is kind of crazy as well. I know some of the things we're looking at, and how social media now is going to change the NCAA rules and the state of Florida and their bills that they pass that athletes can get paid from their social media. Uh, yep. You have any opinion on that? Because that's that's going to be like the wild wild west. Today. It's going to be like the wild wild west, Ralph. But we it's it's one of those things that it's. It's time, okay, it's time. For too long we have uh, denied the young men and young women the opportunity to make money off their name, image, and likeness. And it, it's going to be done, it's gonna to have to be done. Uh, and, and, if, and if, you know, if, if an athlete spends an hour helping the university out on social media, it, to me it's like any other job. It's like having a job with the school uh, as, a, as, a, as a typist or a clerk or something mm -hmm. like that. You're helping the university and you're using your name, your image, your likeness to do it. So, but Ralph, you're right. Will it be the wild, wild west? You better believe it until, <laughs> they, until they figure out where all the bodies are buried and how it's going to work and all that. Uh, it's going to be a problem, but we, we can't use our, we can't use that as a reason to deny opportunities for the, uh, for the student athletes. So it's uh, it, yeah, let's just put it this way. The next four or five years are going to be really, really interesting. Well, my, my you know, the athlete, uh, you know, playing in that world, it's, I'm a concern is the financial implications to the athlete, student athlete that doesn't understand taxes on the back end of it. So unless the schools ante up and let these athletes figure it out, some some kids gonna get hurt very seriously from a tax ramification or money or, you know, whoever. I mean, it just kind of be crazy to me, don't you think? 
You're absolutely right. That's got to be part of the educational process. But, you know, it, it is a fact of life that if you receive payment, there will be taxes that come to bear. Right. And so we, it, it is the job of the university, uh, job of a lot, anybody involved to help uh, the young people with that aspect of it. Because these, these young people are not trained in tax Look. Look, I'm an old guy. I couldn't fill out a tax return if my wife didn't. <laughs> uh, fortunately, my wife is a tax expert. And well, she's you, the you married one. well, then. It's good. <laughs> no, if I had to fill out my own tax return, I'd be in jail right now. <laughs> Tony, that's, that's so good. You probably figured out a way to deduct press box popcorn. Uh, Ralph brought up a great subject in talking about social media as far as athletes are concerned and how they can use it to their advantage. We're certainly seeing a big change in the way coaches handle themselves, their positions, their staff, and really handling their players. Do you see a big change with social media now and college athletics? Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Particularly, uh, it's just the coaches have to be so different now. You can't the, – these young people have grown up in an age of social media. They're much more socially aware of what's going on in the world than we were uh while athletics is important to them it's not the only thing in their lives and coaches have learned you just can't scream as much mm-hmm. <laughs> as you used to you've got to be sensitive to to their backgrounds and their needs and stuff like that so yeah i think i think coaching has changed a whole lot but you know what it's funny the great ones adapt yeah. the great ones the, the dean smiths and the terry hollands and all those people they adapt to their circumstances and adapt to the times and that's what the great coaches have done. And Tony, think about this, the way times have changed. We could sit around a table with former Clemson coach Danny Ford for hours over a couple iced teas and talk football. We could really get inside Lefty Drizel's head and program and, and ask him almost any question. You know, it, Our jobs were, were so much easier, I think. No, th- th- that's exactly right. Well, I think about well, two things when you bring that up, Mac, is uh, let's take the ACC tournament. Uh, the, the day before the start of the ACC tournament, everybody would have their shoot around. Let's just say it's at Greensboro. Mm-hmm. Everybody would do their shoot around and we would all come out there and the coach would just sit there in the stands with us. And we would just talk for hours on end and we would get to talk to the players. It was not, it was no big deal. Now it's all very, very tightly, uh, tightly controlled. We used to have the, uh, uh, an event that's near and dear to Mac McDonald and I, ACC <laughs> media tour on the bus. There you go. There we you would go. literally go from campus to campus, have dinner with the coaches uh, and visit with them. And it was a, just an incredible experience. And we would get to know the coaches very, very well. So that when the time came and you call them, they pretty much call you back. And uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of fun, fun memories of those days. It's just, it's just changed the media yeah. landscape has changed. The coaches have got to be more guarded than they used to be because of, uh, because of social media. And uh, I, I just think we were fortunate to uh, live through the, uh, what I would call the golden era. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think the difference in here, you Tony speak as well. I mean, back then the, the media like you and Mac and the crew there build the athletes resume, right? The, the athletes build my sports illustrate, whatever. Now social media does that. Yep. You know, so the difference is you, you you got the relationship with the athlete over a two or three year period of time that build the resume that say, okay, he was the number one pick, number two pick. Now you can be one or two highlights on social media. You become a number one pick. You can't even freaking play. Oh, yeah. It's there, there's no question that the 
the ability to transmit information in a hurry to a lot of different people has changed things. And obviously the newspaper business where I started has changed uh, dramatically, dramatically yes. to the point where I, I don't, I don't work with newspapers. Anymore. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you're, you're right, Ralph. A lot of people, if you are a great player, the word's going to get out quickly, very yes. quickly. Tony, before the clock gets away, I've got to ask you uh, college basketball already. We've seen, I don't even know what the number is today because it changes every day, but how many teams canceling and pausing activities yep. is the NCAA doing the right thing if they do put everything in a bubble indianapolis play the final four all the regionals are they are they doing the right thing i think i think you're going to have to do it and here's why as we have gotten to the very end of the football season you know there weren't a, a bunch of cancellations early into the mm. midpoint of the season but as the calendar sort of turned to november mid-november we started getting a lot of cancellations a lot a lot of postponements a lot of movement and I'm concerned that as we go through the cold weather, listen, okay, it's easy. Basketball is a cold weather indoor sport, mm -hmm. all right? And we've been told that the virus transmits more quickly when it's cold and when you're indoors. So I think to get the tournament in, you're going to have to do something like the NBA did. I just right. don't – the travel is what gets you. Uh, I, I just think that's the only way to get the tournament done. And let's face it, we now know financially – they have to play the tournament. This Absolutely. Year. Yeah. Well, I was thinking, I mean, the NBA bubble did such a great job, right? I was thinking in the Coliseum, why not take, you know, the ACC, just move everybody to Greensboro, put them in a hotel. They're not going to school anyway, right? And just play like the SEC football deal, as you mentioned right. earlier. Just play your, your, your conference games. Don't play anybody else outside your conference because yep. we would want to see those games anyway as fans watching the TV or watching it, you know, down in Greensboro anyway. But I thought they should have done that instead of just play, you know, team that were just close enough to your location because you can't you can't control that well i certainly think an event like the the acc tournament there that's if, if it's in greensboro wherever it's charlotte wherever it is that's just that's easily done it's right. not it would not be that difficult to put everybody under a bubble in greensboro uh to play the and look, all right you lose you go home okay yeah, i understand yeah. that but yeah. I, I think that's infinitely doable SEC Network Representative Tony Barnhart is with us, journalist. And Tony, did the SEC put any handcuffs on you regarding how they want you to approach a certain topic with, with a player, you know, with a program? Or have they let you be fair in your, in your own mind, fair the way you want to handle a story? I have been, been six years. I have never gotten a phone call or a text message or an email that ever told me what I should be doing. Mm -hmm. They they hired me. They knew what my background was, uh, and yeah, that that uh, that that would not that would not work. Now, obviously, in a, well, let's take the case of Texas A and M. Obviously, I am was very familiar with Texas A and M and what their situation was and what their mm -hmm. point of view was because of my work for the SEC Network. And 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 at the end there, when, when I was asked, I would advocate for Texas A and M. Now. That in a situation like that, yeah, it it impacts me because of what I know and what I know about the situation. But no, I I have no one has ever asked me to slant things a certain way, to write something or not write something, or not report something based mm -hmm. on uh, based on the fact that I work for the SEC Network. Okay, Tony, before we cut you loose, who do you like when it comes college basketball time and when we get to Indianapolis and that NC two A Final Four bubble? 
you know, Mark Fuse had a bunch of great teams at Gonzaga, and I watched a little bit of not too long ago. Boy, they look they look good, pretty good. Michigan State looks pretty good. Iowa looks pretty good. So I'm anxious to kind of see where it, where it pans out there. But but right now I like uh, those teams. I'm anxious to see how uh, North Carolina is going to do. And, and frankly, I haven't had a chance to watch a whole lot of basketball because football season's been yeah, so crazy. Absolutely. But I love. Hey, I've been to I've been to 24 Final Fours. I love college basketball. You're going to make it 25? <laughs> I, I would love to make it. The wife says no, man. The wife says no. Wife yeah, says no. I know. Watch it from home. I know. That was a COVID question. So, Tony Barnard, thank you very much. All the best with the SEC Network. Have fun with the college football playoff. And once again, uh, congratulations on the website, tmgcollegesports.com. We'll tell everybody to get there. Tony, thank you so much. I've enjoyed being with you. Good to see you again. Tony Barnard, formerly of the Greensboro News and Record, Atlanta Journal-Constitution, CBS Sports, and, and now with the SEC Network for about six years, does a great job with, uh, you know, with college football, college basketball, just a, uh, one of the better, better writers that, uh, that we have in the United States covering sports today. Ralph, you know, in this podcast, we've had a lot of discussion about COVID, about 2020, and about, you know, looking forward. And I think a lot of us are anxious about 2021. We're excited to see what's really going to happen. Yeah, there's a lot of talk about vaccine, but we don't know where we're going to go. We don't know what changes we're going to have to make as a society. And as a sports-loving society, we don't know really what to expect as it comes down to 2021. It changed forever, I do believe. With, I think this, the, think about the sanitation of a, of a arena or gym right now it's never going to change everybody's going to keep it clean as we all can do it and do our responsibilities think about the chinese people that always in airports you saw this before they would wear masks in airports no matter around the world where you went automatically get something like that so i think the mask will stay i think the hand sanitizer will stay i think some of these things and protocols that we were not used to will now be in effect but also think about the technology that you just mentioned with the NBA, having virtual people in the stands. I think that stuff is, you know, now in the work, it has sped up a lot of different technology. And it'll be fun to watch that now because people can watch games from their computer and have a whole fan experience. And I think the NBA will keep expanding upon that. And I think college basketball will expand upon it. And all sports will expand upon this virtual reality type of uh, platform that we now know and love. Ralph, you're so right. You know, and, and as we think about uh, you know, New Year coming up this week, and we're all going to sit around and take that calendar. We're going to rip it apart. We're, if it says 2020, we're going to look so forward to, to 2021, hoping that the new year brings us this whole change and, and, and we get to go to games and we don't have to wear masks. But, you know, that, that that's not going to be reality. Uh, we're going to be facing the COVID thing. And I know during this show, we've talked a lot about COVID, but it did. It affected our lives. It affected the sporting lives. It affected the lives of the student athletes and the coaches and everybody around the world. But but we're narrow focusing on sports. And, you know, the NBA got it right with the bubble. I think baseball cutting back games, you know, got it right. We're, we're going to have to be fluid. We're going to have to be able, as a society, we're going to have to be able to adjust. You know, everybody stays strong and tough and stay safe. But uh, it's going to be an interesting 2021. Stick, you are so right. And as we prepare now for 2021, we close today with some sights and sounds of 2020 that we probably won't forget. You're listening to Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network. Ojuda bets a hanger that's drilled to deep left center field and good! Maybe the finishing touch! <laughs>
Uh, it means everything. You know, they traded for me to get here, and uh, I was supposed to be the guy to put us over the edge, and so I took pride in that. You know, I uh, channeled that that pressure, that energy, and, and put it out, put it out on the field, and, and you know, made it happen. Well, what does can you play a game mean? You know, like can you line up 11 people out there? Can you field a, a team? Or how competitive are you going to be? Or what's it going to look like? And, and is it safe? So can we play? Yeah. Yeah, you can. At what point do we reach the point of it not being very safe? Caldwell Pump draws the foul, banks at home, and one. Contavious Caldwell Pope with a chance for a three-point play. L.A. looking to push every opportunity. Beautiful pass. Caruso banks it in. A precise bounce pass from LeBron James. And what a way to close out this championship season. As you see, Davis and James, it's all coming out. You know, one of the, to me, one of the great pleasures of this job every year is watching they become little kids again. NCAA generates revenue only from its official championships, and the only one that generates any consequential revenue uh, in that sense is the men's basketball tournament. In round numbers, around a billion dollars, uh, the vast majority of that, over 60%, 600 million, immediately goes out to the schools in Division One. It's just a, a pass-through. The rest goes to run all the other 89 championships and a variety of other things. But uh, that that distribution had to be cut really dramatically. We have been working with Fox and MLB to develop a virtual crowd platform that allows us to place uh, virtual fans within the stadium to near pixel perfect accuracy. So we, we use scans of the stadium to uh, precisely determine where every seat is and then virtually fill it. Man, in that regard, the pandemic has been a blessing. Not in other regards in terms of the suffering and the deaths and the, the financial part and all that, but this challenge has provided a transformative experience that um, is very difficult to even think it could be matched. And it wouldn't have been matched if we didn't try to pull it. Um, and they did. And that part has been really helpful for me of learning, put it this way, I think young people can do anything they put their minds to. Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today, we talk brainstorms with UX designer Brian. Let's go. First question. You thought you'd see everyone's idea in the team brainstorm, but you've got a grand total of one. Drawing board or Miro board? Drawing board, right? Because in Miro, the team can add ideas now or later. And with privacy mode, we can keep them anonymous until they're good to share. Correct. Next, you need the best way to explain your idea, but all you have is a few sticky notes. Drawing board or Miro board? Drawing board, because, you know, in Miro, I could record videos, add text, images, links, and digital sticky notes, of course. Present my thoughts the way I want. Right again! Now. 
You're looking for a past idea you thought was just genius. Only you could find... Oh, there it is. Drawing board or... Miro. All our finished and unfinished work lives in one place. And he's one. Join over 60 million people getting ideas noticed in Miro Brainstorms. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com.